One of the big reasons that families tend to homeschool is that we don't want our children to have a cookie cutter education that ignores their unique gifts and callings. But do we try to school our sons the same way we school our daughters? Today's guest, homeschooling mother of 11, Jane Ann Bonbreak, is here to share some great ideas about homeschooling boys. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Thanks for joining us. I'm Lisa Maladnik, and today we're discussing how to homeschool your boys with Jane Ann Bonbreak, who has been married for 26 years and has homeschooled for 25 years. She has 11 children, ages 25, 23, 22, 21, 17, 16, 15, 12, 10, 9, and 7. She is a speaker with Wow Mom, which is run by Ellen Mongan, and Jane blogs at dimeadozenmom.com. She is currently part-time homeschooling her 16- and 17-year-old boys, and at this point, her five girls are enrolled in Catholic schools. Welcome, Jane. Thanks so much for making time today. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's such a great topic because in our society today, our media is really working very hard to try to make boys into these toxic creatures who are not allowed to be the persons that God made them, that they're supposed to fit some kind of a weird, emasculated mold uh, in order for, <laughs> I don't know what, some kind of agenda to play out, which clearly is not God's agenda. Tell us a little bit about the differences uh, between homeschooling boys and girls. What are you noticing in your own family life? Well, like you said, the media is really trying to distort, or it's really an agenda, it's a, the enemy, uh, trying to distort our, our boys from becoming men. Okay, and so the differences are that as we raise these boys to become men is that we have to make them aware of exactly what's going on. Like even, and I'm kind of not giving the difference exactly right now, but when our, cause our five boys are back to back, when I mean back to back, they're really back to back. And that's a <laughs> lot of testosterone. Let me just say So anyway, and they're all men. I mean, they're 16, 17 year old are still here at the house, but anyway, so the differences are that that God made us in his image and he made us male and female. And so it really is at this point, homeschooling them to distinguish those roles and men and boys are coming into men. They are made, God made them to like, if you think about it, to like fight wars and go to battle and protect and be the hunters and gatherers. So, you know, and the girls are more, you know, we're nurturers. And that is, a, that is a big difference. And so to put those and make those collide and that, you know, oh, women can do all that men can do. Yes, okay, uh, maybe emotionally and, and somewhat physically. And I think there, you know, the difference is that boys are to become men. And that was one of the reasons why we started homeschooling is because we wanted to teach our boys how to have skills, how to have life skills. And it goes really, it went past academics for us. We are into academics, but that was not on the forefront. The forefront was to teach character and virtue. And then the number one thing was relationships. We really wanted our family. And I really didn't understand that in the beginning of homeschooling. But as this whole 
thing has unfolded with all our children, their relationships are so strong. And with boys, I want to make this plug that boys will fight. They will fight it out. They will. Our boys are like rough, tumble, you know, and they'll fight it out. And in 10 minutes, they will be best friends. <laughs> so I, I love it. And I love my, our boys. I love even the teenage years. Yes, there have been some difficulties. We are not void of problems. Hear me out. We are not void of those. However, but them being homeschooled and under our roof, we're able to maneuver through a lot of the challenges that our boys face today. Yeah, absolutely. We're all faced with it. Our culture does seep into our homes. And, and you know, we're all obviously individuals with free will. And so there's a lot of different influences. But I love what you said about the differences between boys and girls. And and of course, we want to just clarify, and I understand because I've talked to you before, Jane, that we're not saying girls can't do things that boys can do and boys can't do things that girls can do. There's obviously a lot of overlap and, and we want to challenge ourselves in some ways to be able to step into each other's roles. Men do often help with children and, and women do often build things and, and run things and all of that. But there is a very particular complementarity that helps us to shine and be the best that we can be. And so that's what we're talking about here today. Like, what is the difference between a homeschool that honors those differences and the one that does not? So what are some differences in the way that you school? Now, you've talked about building them up in terms of strong relationships and virtue. So what is a typical day like with schooling your boys? And I know that's different from when they're really little you know, all the different ages, but just what are some things that are important to you to let other moms know that can be emphasized in order to help boys to thrive? The number one thing I would say is to really, when you're speaking, and this, speaking to your children, and especially boys, and I'm going to hit two points here, because number one is when they're toddlers, is completely different when they hit puberty. And, um, I just want to say, so when they're toddlers, it's just a really just, our whole thing was they were outside a lot. We just, we live in the South. So we played outside. We did things that my husband always took the boys. And from the time they were walking, we were teaching them. They were working with us. And I mean, working with us, we were, you know, they were included in the family. It's not like dad and mom just do their job. And then no, you're just over here doing your own thing. So uh, that's one of the things is to include your boys in, in, uh, in a lot that you're doing even in the household, whether it's starting from chores, unloading the dishwasher, you know, setting the table, uh, doing things outside. Like we always, we have a land, we have a landscaping business. So like I said, my husband outdoors laid concrete. We're very manual labor type people. So um, that's the only experience I can speak from. So we include our children everything we did, we just, homeschooling is a lifestyle and it becomes that that's what brings you together as a family. And that's kind of the way I envision the Holy family. You know, Joseph was a carpenter and Jesus helped. And so, and Mary, Joseph and Jesus did things together. So that would be my, my one thing is to say, incorporate your children and all that you, you know, pretty much all that you do, because then that, that makes them, you know, part of a family. And I believe that not only families that pray together, stay together, but I believe families that work together, stay together, because when you're working with your children, you're teaching them and training them, which are, which are two different things. I love, too, that you didn't differentiate between different kinds of chores in the home, because really to raise, raise good men who will be good fathers or good priests, 
we really need men who understand family life who are sympathetic to it, to understand that, they, that men need to support women and that the whole household is really everybody's responsibility. And so that, that image of the family working together and the children gaining confidence and competence at all these skills. I have a friend whose middle school son suddenly just was in, you know, absolutely opposed to any kind of sitting down academic learning. So for, I believe it was two years, she handed in one manual after another and he rewired the house, he worked on the plumb did all these things and made the house better while he learned to be a really competent young man. And then when he was curious again and ready to settle down, they got back to their books. And so that's one of the beauties of homeschooling too, is that we can be really tuned into our individual sons and daughters. Right. And their giftings, because I think their giftings are also important. And we would pray, Lord, show us their giftings and, and, and God is faithful. So he did. And, and so I want to make this, I want to say also that when you see that your children's, what their giftings are, know also that the enemy is going to come after those giftings. So that's something that I think every parent needs to be aware of. Just step us into that a little bit, Jane Ann. What are you sensing about the way the enemy comes after someone's giftings? Okay. For instance, I know that I have two sons that are leaders. And so, however God wants to use that, if they are to be for their home, to be their vocation of marriage, or to be in the priesthood, I'm not sure. We leave that completely open. But I know that, I've, and I'm walking this out right now as I speak this, but I also had this with a couple other sons, is that when the, the, uh, our oldest son is actually a leader, and his name is Joseph, so his name fits him well. Nice. So, so anyway, being leaders, they're, uh, they're attacked, I think, more through their character. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that when you'll notice that when they're leaders, they have a little bit more, you, you'll notice that they're the way their testosterone, that's the only way I can describe <laughs> it, because when I have five boys, I mean, all I can say is there's a lot of testosterone. So they, they're always in competition. But when, when they're leaders that you can tell, like even with uh, our oldest, he would always take the younger ones and begin to train them on doing things like the, with the landscaping. So he would train them on doing things like with the mowers and the weed eaters and and he would train them actually how to do the job. So when my husband trained them, and I'm getting off the subject, but I'm leading up to something. So how he would, my husband would train, and then my older son just automatically took on that role. I believe it was a God-given talent, and then just started passing it on to the other boys. So the enemy kind of went after his character for a short time, I saw that, and we had to really help, it was about making, when he's older, like in the teen years, had to make some choices and decisions, and no, we didn't always make the, the best choices or decisions, but he greatly learned from those, and now he sees his gift from the Lord. Does that make sense? I yes, absolutely. The, the enemy is definitely going to try to sidetrack our kids, distract them, and, and help and make them do things that maybe will make them feel less confident or less sure of God's love or whatever it is, just to undermine that ability to stand up in the strength of Christ and to lead. Um, yeah, I really think that there's a lot of psychological warfare out there. Most definitely. It's a great point. And also, this son, these two sons I'm thinking about, they're, they're really, um, they kind of have no filter in a way. I mean, but they're very truthful with what they speak. They just speak it like they see it. And so that also lets me know that's the Lord working through them on, on leadership. You know, because uh, when, when they get, do get older, you have to kind of hone in on that a little bit and you know, but, um, but I just see that the enemy has, you know, attacked in those areas, but not to be in fear because we have victory. 
we have the saints, we have the sacraments, we have the rosary, we know our warfare, or we, or we need to become more acquainted. As mothers, we, we gain that confidence too through different situations that we go through with children. So anyway, and you, those are the tools I believe God's given us to use. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what are some of the challenges of trying to give boys what they need in the home as opposed to having them in a regular school system? The one challenge, it wasn't, um, tra- it wasn't teaching them academics. What the main challenge for me was when they were older, uh, and this, I'm just being honest here, it was because we didn't really, we, we did, doing transcripts was a challenge because I had to go and learn all that because we were not accredited. We did not, uh, we didn't have the finances to do accreditation. Only just recently have we um, begun to do Seton um, when the past like five years. So anyway, um, so that would be what my number one challenge was to do transcripts because you weren't accredited. You felt like, I felt like anyway, that I had to do way more than was even required of people in a regular school setting or you know, um, maybe did accreditation. But really, when we first started homeschooling, there really wasn't anything for accreditation. It really, really only in the past five years has really, has that really kind of become a, a you know, an a issue, I guess. Because when we were starting off, you know, when our, our daughter first graduated, um, actually, she just took her GED and started school. But now you can't do that in Georgia. So that's one of my challenges. I know it's when they're older, but really that would be one of my challenges. Yeah. What about sports? Did your did your boys ever want to go to high school so they could play sports? Okay, for sports, um, we have such a large family that we just did sports, you know, on our own as far as like within our family and within friends. But our homeschool group here is really large and, and big. And so for the past five to six, five to six years, we actually have a sports team for homeschoolers. So um, that really wasn't a big issue for us. And we actually have a division of our, of our uh, we're in a division we, that big of an issue for us because we do have such a large group here where parents rallied together and they started the basketball. And um, that's the one sport we did. Um, we don't have football. The homeschoolers, um, three years ago, they started letting the homeschoolers play um, football with private Christian schools. And actually there is a law, I think here in Georgia, it's trying to be passed in Georgia. It's called the Tim Tebow law. And that's where 25%, okay. 25% of your team can be homeschoolers on any sport for Christian schools. Wow. I like that. That's a great law. Mm-hmm. So that's really not been that much of a challenge. Yeah, we've had some of our uh, teenage boys go off to Catholic high schools and things like that in order to play sports. Um, And others have been able to get involved in community sports, depending on their age, because there are certainly community teams as well, which are not associated with a specific school, which is really nice. Okay, and what is it like, say, what do you do when all that you know, boy energy is, maybe maybe the boys and the girls are, you know, setting each other off. You've got the, maybe a lot of emotional stuff going on with the girls and maybe the boys are a little pent up. What do you do? How do you keep things, you know, from, from boiling over or what, I'm sure they do boil over sometimes, but 
What's a good strategy? Well, in the in the beginning, when they were small, I would have time slots for them to work with each other. I just kind of like did a block scheduling, and we did. Um, we used inside. We used a lot of those little Legos. Now, when they were toddler toddlers, no, they, we just used the big Legos or blocks, and then I would have a sibling play with them. But we use the Lego, we use like little Legos because our boys would like build, they would build literally for hours with those. So we did those and blocks. And then uh, our boys a lot, I would send them outside. We had a trampoline and we're very outdoorsy people. So um, we were just outside a lot with the boys and we just did uh, any, any sports like throwing balls, basketball, shooting hoops, you know, things like that. And then also we kept them busy just because my husband was working for himself at the time. And so really my husband spent a lot of time with the boys. I know people don't necessarily have that luxury right now. And I don't have that luxury right now because we work for a company, but in the get go, in the beginning years, that's kind of the way it was, or even his schedule would allow for him to work in the evenings. And, and he would, the boys spend a lot of time with my husband. Like I said, we just did things as a family. So that would be, that's my answer to that because we just always were doing things. We were always doing things as a family. Mm. So, so really, the whole family was really learning a lot of skills. And and were the girls getting any of that time with dad too? Were they? Did they have the inclination to learn the business, or was that was that a place where there was a natural separation between the boys and the girls? Well, right. So we had one girl, and then we had five boys, and then five girls. So oh. right now, I'm on the our oldest daughter. Yes. So Jocelyn was our oldest. And so really knew what he was doing because um, just her helping out and training her to, you know, help, you know, run a household. And now she has her own household. So the things that she can do for her, for her business, her and her husband have a business and she makes things and redoes furniture. Just, I see all the things that she took when she was little and, and now she's, now the Lord's really using all that. Even for managing a household, raising children, you know, marriage, and then her and her husband have a business together. Wonderful, wonderful. All right. So what are some of the unique benefits of homeschooling for boys? In other words, as opposed to sending them off into the school systems, how are they most benefited by being educated at home? Okay. I love this question because I'm going to be kind of a little forthright here, and that is because you've got to take the whole individual. It's not just you take the boy, you send him to school, okay, go and sit and learn. Our boys were not that way. So this is the number one benefit is that they learn how to uh, be in a family and they learn how to uh, work with their hands because all our boys are very kinesthetic, um, which means they're always hands-on. They, they, that's the way they learn. That's the way I taught them math. That we use math, you see, which was, you know, that's one of the curriculums we used in math because it's, it's like you see it, you say it, you write it. So um, being hands-on and being able to, like you said, in the beginning of the program, when the, the son, you know, rewired the whole house, it gives them a well-rounded, um, they're well-rounded and they're able to go in, in the into the world and do what God's called them to do. So, uh, you know, you have academics, but you don't have to be academics eight hours a day because when they're sitting in a classroom, and I have to tell a funny story right quick. So 
we at one point thought we were going to send a couple of boys to school because I had a lot of babies in tow. And so we were going to send them to the middle school. It was a public school. So we sent them there for one day. And our son came home and he said, Mom, please don't make me go back. All I have to do is sit, sit, sit. <laughs> it made me think of Dr. Seuss. And so actually, <laughs> we enrolled them in school for one day and then we took them out. I probably looked like the crazy homeschool mom, you know, whatever. But it was like, you know what? This is not, I think at the point I was, the only reason we did that is because I was overwhelmed because I had, I, I had a lot of babies. I was nursing, taking care of toddlers. And I thought, I'm, they're not getting what they need. But you know what? The Lord clearly showed me they are getting what they need. So I think the unique benefit is that they become they become men and they they'll be able to do what God's called me to raise a family or I kind of was this way. We were like, okay, you have two vocations in a way. You're either will probably be married or you are a priest. <laughs> when they were little, I would say some little things like that. So, you know, we wanted to give them skills to be able to raise a family and to um, you know, to do what God's called them to do. So that's one of the benefits. It's you got the you get more well rounded, I believe. Yeah, so they're in the context of the family. They're learning virtue and cooperation, and they're um, growing in sympathy for the roles of both parents. They're really seeing how families work. So if you can see that they would be great shepherds later on as priests, understanding family life and the needs of families, and then as fathers and leaders as well. Um, Talk about some of the ways you're seeing your boys growing up into the men they're called to be. And I know you have a really particularly interesting story about your boys that I'd love to hear. Right. Okay. So the one, when I said they develop relationships and another thing too, is in the family, they also learn our boys can relate with elderly people, people, their peers, and they can relate with little children. I, I do stand amazed at how we have one, we have a couple of boys that they're dating and they're, um, and their, their girlfriends are just amazed at how well they relate because we still have little ones and how well they relate with the children. They love seeing that. But yeah, so they're on the relationships. Our son, it's been three years ago, four, or three, three and a half years ago, he, he, he was on a job and he does, he was doing tree work at the time, but he was working for a company and he was up on a lift, you know, a lift where it's, you know, metal. Like a cherry picker sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. It, somewhat like that. Yeah. So he was up and he was doing a job and he was um, taking down some limbs off a tree and um, all the electricity actually was supposed to be turned off. But he got up in the lift and he, he uh, was throwing up a strap that had a uh, uh, metal piece on the end. And when he was trying to grab the limb to bring it down and when he did, he was so close to a power line that it pulled his hand up to 8,000 volts. And let me go. Okay. So my other son had come on the job right at the time he was going up and Jordan is, it's Joseph and Jordan. So he said, he said, Hey man, can I go up there with you? And um, Joseph said, yeah. So when they get up there, he throws the strap and Jordan didn't see it because he had turned around because they were 25 feet in the air on this lift. And he turned around and when he threw the strap, the, his hand, um, the electricity pulled his hand up to the top of the, on the, on the um, wire. So with 8,000 volts and Jordan just, ha just was turned around because it's a little bitty spot. And he said, he said, Hey Joseph, do you got it? And he didn't hear him. So he turned around and he said, it was just all, he was just, 
he could Joseph was he was being electrocuted. And so oh he gosh. grabbed so he grabs his brother and Jordan is strong but smaller and Joseph is bigger, you know, more bulkier. And so he grabbed Joseph and when he did the electricity went through Jordan. Typically somebody would die like that. So he grabbed he grabbed his brother and he tried to pull him off the wire and he could not get him off the wire. And so he said to himself, he said, man, he said, either you're coming down or I'm going home with you. I mean, like going home to be with the Lord. So he so when he when the vault, he said the vaults went through him and it threw him back. But but they were in a confined space because, remember, they're up 25 feet in the air and they're in that <laughs> little they're on a metal you know, little like container, a bucket. Yeah, yeah, a bucket. Yeah. So what he did is he said he, the vaults threw, flew through him and he said, he's never felt anything like it. And then I believe his ministering angels and the Lord and our blessed mother saints, they pulled him back up. He got up and he just jumped up onto the ledge of the bucket and to use his, put his feet up there to use his leverage. And he, like he said, he said, either you're coming off that line or I'm going home with you. And he pulled them until he actually got him off the line. And when he did, my, my son was not breathing. He had technically died. And so Joseph, uh, Jordan got the bucket, got the bucket down, got him, pulled him out of the bucket and just started um, doing CPR on him, started pumping his chest. And probably about two minutes into pumping his chest, Joseph regained it, just like took a deep breath and came back to life. And Joseph actually will tell you that his experience was that he was going toward a, uh, an entire great bright light. So Whoa. he technically died. And then by that time there was another man on the job and he called the ambulance. And so, but Joseph, it was just all the Lord. It was just the goodness of God. It was just his faithfulness. He has a plan for these boys, but you're talking about relationships. That is one son saving another son's life. And talking about training Jordan did the CPR. He knew how to do the CPR because he had, a, had had a job previously with my dad's company, actually, where he had to take classes to do CPR and learn that. And that came back so quickly to him. And he pumped his chest. And he and then he said after about two minutes of doing that, he went <gasps> and he drew a breath and he, and he came back. Thanks be to God. Just as a mother and a person of faith, it must just be... One of the, I mean, a terrifying thing to have had your children go through, but an amazing moment because we all wonder, don't we, in a crisis, how will we react? Will we be able to respond? And there are these two young men that are so bonded to each other that one is willing to give his life for the other. I would say you've raised some good men there. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, it's it's taken two. It's taken me and my husband and I have to say the Holy Family and, you know, just uh, prayer, but it's, it's, um, parenting is a, it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. Right. And, and so if we, if we had to pull together just a few parting thoughts, um, we've talked about relationships and developing virtue and life skills. How would you, what would you like the takeaway to be for moms who are maybe struggling with raising boys? Just really, um, really learn about how boys um, operate and think. I did, um, I did read, I have read a book called um, Raising Up Boys by Dr. James Dobson. It's not Catholic, but that's one of my go-to books because he really does a great job explaining 
how boys turn into and how they hit puberty. And then when they begin to walk through that and, and become men, and he really has a, um, the science behind all of it. And it's really a great, um, just a book to pick up and just grab some nuggets for yourself. Because I think we really have to learn because in our society, because we're inundated with T, like you said, media, TV, and even if you just are on TV for two seconds, the commercials they have coming against our men, how the women or the wives make their husbands look stupid. And, and you know, it's just, it's sad. It saddens me. It really grieves me. But anyway, so that would be my takeaway is to learn how your boys think, learn how God made them. And then look at how God, pray, ask the Lord, because he is faithful. You ask not because you have not. We just, I continue seeking and asking and learning. That would be my takeaway. Great. Well, absolutely wonderful. Um, at this time when boys are so under attack, um, where somehow they're made to be the scapegoats for everything, uh, what a wonderful thing in our homeschools to be able to provide an environment where our boys can thrive as boys. Uh, and I know I just, um, I'll put it on the show notes. There's also a great uh, article that I want to share. I be, believe it's Anthony Esselin. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes about some of the great reading that we can share with our boys that helps them to get in touch with the heroic in themselves and, and really what it is to be a, a healthy, natural male in the world. Uh, thank you, Jane, so much for this affirming witness, mother of 11, you know, somebody who's been in business a long time and done lots of different things and has also raised wonderful girls, I have no doubt, um, for being with us today to, to just bear witness to the fact that it's really special, a great opportunity to be able to homeschool our sons. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I do want to say also on that note is that, you know, just partaking of the sacraments also, um, you know, even when you're a mother and you're a young mother and you have a lot of children in tow, you're thinking, oh, gosh, I just can't make it to mass even on like Sundays or on, on just in weekdays. That's another opportunity with homeschooling is that you can go to mass during the week. You know, yes, it is hard, but it does pay off. You will see the fruit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's a delight, Jane. Thanks again. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again before too long. All right. Stay tuned, everybody, for our three-minute feature coming right up. Hi, I'm AJ Catapan. Welcome to Books and Blessings, a place where I get to share with you some of my favorite books for Catholic teens and tweens. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Return to Sender, a middle grade novel by Julia Alvarez. This novel, labeled for ages 8 through 12, is told from two different perspectives. The first part of each chapter is written in present tense from a third person limited perspective. This means that the reader follows the character of 12 year old Tyler. His family has been farming the same land in Vermont for generations. However, after Tyler's father is injured in a tractor accident, they are unsure if they are going to be able to keep the family farm going. As the story opens, Tyler learns that his father has hired three Mexican workers, one of whom is the father of three daughters. The second part of each chapter is written from the perspective of the eldest of those three daughters. Her name is Mari, and each of her entries is written in the form of a letter, usually to her mother, who returned to Mexico when Mari's grandmother was dying, but who has now been missing for many months. 
Some of her letters are also written to Our Lady of Guadalupe, as Mari begs Our Lady to watch over her mother. From Tyler's perspective, we see him struggling to understand why his very patriotic family has broken the law in order to hire these three undocumented workers. And from Mari's perspective, we see what it is like to live in constant fear of being deported. The stories of undocumented Mexican workers in the United States is important to tell, and Alvarez's novel may help shed some light on this topic. One thing that really impressed me about this book was the positive portrayal of Mari's Catholic faith, as well as the Christian faith of Tyler's devout grandmother, who had lost her husband a few months earlier. My favorite scene involves Mari and her sisters teaching Tyler's grandma about the Mexican tradition of the Day of the Dead. Tyler's grandmother has been grieving the loss of her husband so deeply that Tyler feels like she's pulled away from the family. By sharing how they pray for their deceased loved ones on the Day of the Dead, Mari and her sisters help Tyler's grandmother to grieve the loss of her husband, and a strong bond is formed between the grandmother and the three young girls. Return to Sender by Julia Alvarez was awarded the Pura Belpre Award and the Americas Award, both of which are given to books by Latin American writers of distinction. It has also been named an NCSS CBC Notable Children's Trade Book in the field of social studies. To see more book suggestions, visit my website at ajcatapan.com. There you can also learn more about my own books for young readers, including my middle grade novel, Seven Riddles to Nowhere, which also includes a young Latina girl with a very devout faith, not too different from Mari's. Thanks for joining me on Books and Blessings. Be sure to find me online on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or on my website, ajcatapan.com. Until next time, happy reading. That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.